Hi, this is Brandon Rouse, and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher D. Philippus, and I'm here with the latest in our series of interview redo specials, featuring the interviews we did with the cast and crew of the Quantum Leap Revival series throughout Season 1, most of which appeared only on our YouTube channel. Hey, 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 you guys remember that time I got to talk to Superman? It was during Episode 14, SOS, the one where Ben is on a Navy destroyer trying to avert a nuclear war, with the help of Addison's dad, played by none other than Brandon Routh. Matt, Albie, Serenity, and I talked to the erstwhile Man of Steel about his time on Quantum Leap until I totally geek out and make it all about Superman. Super thanks for this personal milestone go to our producers, Harold Sullivan, Glenda Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. Go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast to learn more about how you can support the show. Now, without further ado, here's that time I, I, I mean we, talk to Superman. Up, up, and away! Hello, Leapers. This is Chris, and I am joined today with Matt, Albie, and Serenity to welcome to the podcast our very special guest, Mr. Brandon Routh. Brandon, welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Great. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hi, uh, this this is a uh, just a terrific honor for us. I mean, we've spoken to um, most of the main cast and most of the guest cast, but I never thought that Quantum Leap would allow me to speak to Superman himself. So <laughs> welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Um, super to have you. Uh, <laughs> Wait, was that a pun? Yeah, we get a lot of those around here. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you you certainly need no introduction to most fans listening now. Um, with your turn as Superman and your involvement with the CW's Arrowverse as the Adam Ray Palmer, can you tell us how you jumped franchises uh, and came to Quantum Leap? Uh, well, um, I think uh, you know it all started with Superman. Really, <laughs> put me in the genre <laughs> for sure, um, and then. Uh, I don't really think uh, being part of Legends of Tomorrow necessarily helped as far as my qualifications of being part of a time-traveling show. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, certainly bringing Ray Palmer to life was helpful in, in all of that. Um, but I, I, I got a lovely, um, had a lovely meeting with Dean uh, Jugaris, uh, one of the co-showrunners. They presented the, the, the script to me, or the outline of the script, and um, told me about the significance of the role I'd be playing which was exciting. And I was a big Quantum Leap fan from growing up, a uh, child of the, the 80s and, and 90s, uh, watching Quantum Leap. And um, I was very excited. I had an amazing meeting with him. And um, also, the the kicker was that the episode was going to be filmed on the USS Iowa, which is docked in uh, Long Beach, California. And I'm from Iowa. And they had a dedication uh, about 10 years ago for the USS Iowa when it when it uh, they were opening it as a museum there, but I wasn't able to attend, so it was very cool to be able to be there and uh, be on it and film on it and participate. So it, it felt like the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, um, I wanted to ask you about sort of the filming location and the circumstances yeah. because this episode of Quantum Leap is so much more action oriented than we usually get on the show, and yes. you had some really tight intense scenes and when you were filming the location was the iowa what 
were those stage sets where were you filming mainly on the boat or was it just the exteriors like tell us what the shooting was like because it sure, was so yeah. unique to, to leap you know uh the first three days were on the uss iowa we were inside the ship we were on the exterior of the ship um we used as much of the ship as possible um all of i think all of the scenes involving the um, what is it called the the threat threat display the the can't remember the technical name for the for the two places one was the darker darker room uh where we're looking over the screen and managing you know what's happening and then the exterior where you're seeing out onto the ship through the windows the main command area where both uh, amazing sets that set deck and our team and carpenters and everybody made which is like the real thing yeah, it seems to me like it, very claustrophobic, almost like you were on a submarine at, at times. Yeah, I mean, I have not been on a submarine, and I think it's probably like even less room on a submarine. But certainly, <laughs> being six three, trying to traverse and run through the halls of the actual ship was challenging. I was a permanent stoop for for, for three days uh, to make sure that I did get a concussion. <laughs> I didn't, so that's good. Thank goodness, right? So, um, you had mentioned that, um when reading the script, you had spoken to Dean about sort of the pivotal role of your character, not only in the episode, but in the larger quantum leap universe, they introduced us in this episode to Addison's father. How did knowing this influence the way you approached the role? Did you feel um, more, more pressure because of it? Uh, I mean, I I felt a little pressure. I don't really feel, doesn't it feel like, I mean, everybody has their own definition, I guess what pressure is, but didn't necessarily feel like pressure, but, I felt I felt uh, honored by it. So for me, it's pressure, but it's uh, I take it on as as like okay, now I have to step up. So it is pressure, but I don't in the, in acting situations. I guess I don't fear it. I just go okay. So now I got to I just got to bring it, and that you know, so it made it more appealing to be a bigger part. Even though it was one episode, it was a bigger part of the lore and the history um, of the show, and so. Um, that's what, you know, made it exciting for me. It wasn't just a, a one-off, you know, character. As well as it being a, a pivotal role, it's also a, a very um, deep and emotional role. There's a lot, of, uh, yeah. a lot of quite dark places you had to go to. Was that yeah. something that was clear when, when it was being pitched to you? And did that give you pause in terms of whether to accept the role and, and how you approached it, or, yeah. or did that just come out afterwards? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good question. Um, so I didn't actually, they, when uh, they approached me, they didn't have a full script yet. They had a, a very detailed outline of like what uh, most scenes and kind of like a little bit of a scripting of what might be said and of like the main point, the main thrust of a scene. And I think the two major scenes in my quarters were kind of laid out and talked to Dean about that. And for me, um, I guess it might still surprise most people uh, who've been watching me or, or don't know of my career much, but my first love is comedy. Um, it's the style of acting that I have the most fun at on a day-to-day basis and um, I'm most free uh, when I'm able to be silly and irreverent. So this was uh, the opposite of that. But I, I'm in a place in my career and in my life, I guess, where I'm working on emotional authenticity and really being able to speak truthfully in those heavy moments. So this was an opportunity to practice that in a very big, very big, real, real way. Cause it wasn't, you know, monsters attacking or aliens or, you know, something sci-fi. 
because that's normally where I play. This was real life, you know, father, son, excuse me, father, daughter, and son, father um, dynamics playing. So I was, I was a little bit hesitant, but also like, oh, this is an opportunity to learn. I'm going to, I'm going to go through this door and I'm going to, you know, put my best foot forward. Uh, in this episode, uh, it was very emotional, the scenes with you and uh, Addison. Uh, did you pull anything from your real life experiences uh, to inform your character in this episode? Oh, well, most definitely. Um, having now a, a 10 year old son, had a wealth of experience um, with fatherhood and being a parent and having, knowing how a parent's emotions and behaviors affect a child. So understanding Alexander's father's, uh, his relationship with his father, his birth father, and the trauma that was created through that experience, him wanting to move away from that and seek another more positive father figure in the captain of the ship, that was intriguing. And then just knowing also that, you know, as a, as a parent, you want the best uh, for your child. And sometimes... And I can see how Alexander got to a place in his in his experience where he thought, I have to room, remove myself from her life to a degree so that my darkness, my trauma is not put on her. Now, there are other ways to handle this. As we know now <laughs> in, the tw- in, the, in 2023, therapy <laughs> can help us, you know, so we can engage because the best option is not to abandon <laughs> your child. Uh, because that creates his own trauma, even if it's a better trauma than mm-hmm. you know um, than than the other side. But uh, anyway, I have a question. Do you, um, two questions actually. Even though you didn't get to have any scenes per se with Caitlin mm-hmm. because you can't see or hear right. her technically, did you guys discuss the body language that you would have around each other and how, even though you aren't communicating, uh, you know? Was there any discussion about sort of the backstory that they had and the way that you played when you were in the same scene together? Great question. Uh, no, no, we didn't. You know, I, I I'd watched three or four episodes of the show um, before I before I'd, I'd gone on the set, and I think I'd seen her her stoicness, her 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 matter of fact um, delivery, and the fact that she in real life, you know, had uh, extensive military service, and and that I think that's also the backstory of of her character. Um, I mean, so that is kind of, I didn't really reflect that necessarily, but I saw that. And so I just, you know, that was part of military. I mean, my, my, my observance of, of someone who's, who served and who was a leader. Um, so I adopted, you know, I stepped into those shoes. Um, but other than that, no, no, not really. I mean, we had many discussions about the, the last scene, um, that we're in together. And that was more from a technical standpoint. Um, you know, I, I asked if she would like to 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 film her side first or my side first. Uh, sometimes, you know, when you have an emotional uh, emotional scene, one person had like in that in that scene, she has the emotion, she has the dialogue, she has all the emotion. It's her scene. I, I'm I'm participating, but it's mostly her scene. And um, sometimes an actor wants to go first because they don't want to use all that energy that that emotional energy on while the camera's filming me um but if they're not ready sometimes they want to go second and you know rehearse rehearse and rehearse more so that was i mean we had discussions like that 
more technical stuff because they don't have a you know she was three or four when i you know in 80 in 89 so we there wasn't much interaction between us that would that would uh, inform so i guess that leads to the second part of my question um because it's right there at the end of the episode she she gives that speech and she mentions that you were um the person who shaped her that 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 taught her everything that she knew and that to me implied that her history with her father had been altered because of the events of the leap is that how you guys took it or was there any discussion on that because it's only implied or at least that's what i infer from the scene it it I believe the way that the tiny whiny this mm-hmm. is that the events that happen in the episode have not reflected into her future until like further like the next episode. I mean, the legends of tomorrow is out. We always played with that. It's like, Oh, it takes some time for her time <laughs> to, to harden, uh, to, to solidify. And then other episodes like, Oh, it's happening now. So, you know, we <laughs> played with that, uh, logic, but, um, but yeah, I think the effects of what she learned and the relation how the relationship grows with her father in 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 that in episode thirteen um, will be seen, you know, in further episodes, whatever that might be for for her. And it's probably slight, you know, um, adjustments. But when you first uh, talked to Dean and uh, took this role, uh, was there a discussion of multiple appearances, multiple episodes? Do you know of any future episodes you might be in? Um, I, I I have not been asked to 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 return yet uh but there's been there have been uh there have been uh um what i say oh be cool to have you back Mm -hmm. um um sentiments you know it's a it's a time it's a time travel show so who's to say Mm -hmm. uh who couldn't come back in what capacity whether it's the 89 version of me or the 2023 version of, of my character i don't I would, I would absolutely love to, to come back. It was a wonderful, wonderful, welcoming cast and crew. Everyone, it was just a joy to be there, to participate. You know, it's not, it's not every job that that happens. Um, the best jobs in this business, um, even if the final outcome isn't what you uh, intend for, um, the day-to-day is what it's about, uh, and enjoying creating uh, whether it's just with uh, your fellow actors or with the entire crew, you build a family and you build uh, a team. And you know they they accepted me as an adopted part of the family for uh, for eight days, and it was great. I guess the only challenge is if it's the 1979 version of your character that comes back. <laughs> uh, yeah, unless you unless you fancy that particular challenge. In real life, um, I had a silly question. Uh, while you and Caitlin and Raymond were uh, in the cabin set, your character's cabin. Uh, the pictures on the wall, were those pictures of Caitlin? Did you guys talk about that? Or was just, that just some uh, set deck that they took from something else? I think they weren't Caitlin. I can't remember. I remember her having a reaction to seeing them that it was either the the, the, the pictures that they chose or that they, they weren't her. I can't, so I can't, I can't remember. I know that the pictures of myself and my wife in there, we did those on the, on the Universal back lot. Um, and a lovely young actress um, came in and, and was my wife for a day. I've had to do that other times uh, where somebody comes in um, just solely for for photographs. But it's you know everybody's important. That's the thing. You know mm-hmm. you can come in and I've 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 done other photos like that where that person comes in and is kind of not alive. 
in their face and it makes the photo now look great. Um, <laughs> and it's a big part, even though you don't say anything, you appear in the episode only in a small way. All that stuff is important. She, you know, she did a great job. You had mentioned earlier that um, you were a fan of the original Quantum Leap. Do you have any specific memories of the show growing up, or um, like, what's your experience with with the original? Um, I, I can't pull from any specific episodes. It's mostly about Dean and Scott's just connection and their friendship that that sticks with me, um, and just the overall energy of the show of uh, that hope. And not being too afraid of the unknown, um, that kind of, for me, I guess, persists, uh, persisted in, in, in viewing it. It was, you know, in that time, there, there was not a lot of five, you know, three, what, four channels at that time. Yeah. Um, three channels, three, mm-hmm. um, and PBS. So, um, and we didn't have cable for a long time. Uh, so, you know, TV was uh, a big deal for me. I think Rennie had a question. Yes. How is it being Superman? It's um, it's amazing. It's one of those um, opportunities that still is somewhat elusive at times to kind of just be able to hold. Because here in my house, I'm just dad. <laughs> and sometimes I'm the dad that somebody's not happy with because I, I lay down the law and I have to set boundaries. Um, and other times I'm, you know, I can be fun dad, but then we go outside, uh, and somebody's like, Hey, it's Superman. And you know, it's a whole different than I, than I shift into, uh, you know, a different, uh, part of, uh, a part of myself, I guess, to help represent the energy and spirit of Superman, which, which lives inside me, which lives inside everybody. Uh, I just think, because of my work as the character, I've attuned to to him more, but um, but not fully. I'm gonna walk around uh, imagining I'm Superman, but uh, it's an amazing thing. It's uh, it's an amazing thing to know that the most important thing, the most important and the coolest part of it, is knowing that the art that I helped create, along with all of the other amazing artists who worked on Superman Returns and who worked on Crisis on Infinite Earths, is that this can really help lift people out of darkness, even if it's for a, a few hours um, and to point toward better possibilities that do exist, that even though we can be sad at times, that all, sh- everything shifts and changes and, um, and Superman is a beacon of light. And I'm um, very proud and grateful that I get to help represent that and, and carry that torch in a little way. Now give us the scoop. I know that um, James Gunn is overseeing the rebranding of the DCEU, and uh, we have some um, multiple timelines in the new Flash movie. Are you going to be brandishing the big red S in Ezra Miller's Flash movie coming up? Oh, Come on, you can not. tell us. Certainly not. <laughs> certainly not in the new Flash movie. Uh, the trailer looks amazing. I'm very excited to, to see that. Uh, and as beyond that project, I have I have no idea. I, I would absolutely love to. I would jump at the chance um, to to participate uh, again, whether it be as um, as Superman or as Ray Palmer. Um, I think uh, I, I like to think that Ray can be used in any of those worlds and, and matches well um, in, in that world as well. So um, I don't know. I I can tell you that I'm very excited, and I have oh, I'm excited to see what what James and Peter 
um, bring forth. Because if there's one thing I know, it's that James loves comic books and appreciates them and values them and values the relationships that are created. The most important thing that happens in his films and his superhero films, especially in Guardians of the Galaxy, which are excellent, I think my favorites actually of, of the Marvel Universe, is the relationships uh, between these disparate, these disparate characters. But he creates family, found family. And that's so important. It's such an important message. So I'm excited for, for what comes next. It's funny when you say found family, I can only think of legends. And when I heard that you were going to be on this episode, I was excited because I was a fan of legends. But right. then when uh, <laughs> when Addison described you as cold and distant and uh-huh. kind of a hard ass, all I could think of you is, you know, as Ray with that big goofy grin, always geeking out. And uh, it was it was a little bit for me to say, OK, let me see how Brandon does it. I think you did great. But right. um, I think that the ensemble nature of um, Legends was terrific. And also the fact that you guys were so irreverent and self-referential. Can you tell us a bit about what it was like to work on that show for so long? Because it evolved so much over the yeah. course of the seasons that it was on. Uh, to the point where you made yourselves the butt of jokes sometimes in the yeah. in the overall universe yeah. of uh, I guess the Flash and, and and Arrow. So especially Arrow, Arrow was so dark. You went from the darkest show on the CW to the funniest <laughs> show on the CW. So yeah, well, I was the funny. I was the funny in in Arrow uh, season three anyway, and so then they they took me and transplanted me over into Legends of Tomorrow, which you know just then grew. Uh, and I, you know, I think, I think that's because when legends started out, they had an idea where they wanted to use all these talented actors and cool characters, put them on a show and had an idea for the first season. And then kind of were open to what was going to happen next. And I think that was one of the, the cool parts of the show was that structurally they didn't stick to, oh, it has to be this way, which was a little bit frustrating for actors because then i was like wait but this rule we set up and then right here now we're like where am i where's the floor right this time (laughs) can we change time can we not so that was frustrating from like an actor standpoint but it it really allowed uh freedom to to for the show to grow and change and i think it really became the best version of itself in season three uh through the evolution of season three and then season four i think was the best season of the show and uh you know i they gave so Ray was the comedy, and what he was doing comedy in 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 the first step, first season. But Ray was more broad, and and then as the actors and characters grew, it became a little bit more broad. And I and I just kept taking that I would just take an inch and and or give an inch and take I would take a mile and see how far I could push it because that's what I that's the fun that's the joy, and um, the writers responded and the cat everyone else you know uh did as well and you know we and the writers then put us in you know crazy outlandish ridiculous positions and you either had to believe it and go with it and swim or or sink and we thankfully we swam we swam (laughs) when they were doing the uh crisis crossover uh that was the huge event for the entire cw and uh, was it a given, like from the get-go, that you were going to reprise your role as Superman? No, no, not at all. That was a very, really um, challenging time, the beginning of that, uh, the inception of that, because uh, I had just found out that um, I would not be returning for 
fall of season five that they were they uh, decided that uh, my wife and I and Nora Dark played Nora Dark Courtney Ford who played Nora Dark uh, were going to be leaving the show um, halfway through season five, which was uh, a huge huge uh, disappointment is such a small word. Um, it was quite crushing for us because we loved those characters and we loved that show, that world. Uh, and then a few weeks later, I got a call from Mark Guggenheim, who had stepped back as a, a, a couple seasons ago um, from Legends and was overseeing a bunch of you know everything in, in the you know CW uh, verse pretty much and all the crossovers. And he said, "Hey, you know, would you be interested in?" you know, playing Ray in the crossover, but also like playing a character with a different colored suit. And I said, wait, you're, are you talking about Superman? He said, yeah. So I said, wow, I, I was just, I was very shocked. I, I didn't, I was held open the possibility, but didn't, but thought it was incredibly low that CW, uh, Warner brothers and DC would all sign off on, on me returning. Um, but it was, it was true. And, um, that um, helped kind of turn a little bit of that terribleness um, into a little bit uh, not so terrible for me and really helped me gain closure on, on Superman. You know, uh, it was very affirming for me to, to just to be asked and then the response from the fans. Very grateful for that opportunity. This is going to be such a geek question, but <laughs> which did you enjoy playing more, uh, Kal-El or Clark? Is that a cat? I see a cat. <laughs> Something's attacking you, Matt. Yes, yes, my cat likes to join in. She's obviously enjoying the interview, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hi, what's the cat's name? Scully. Hi, Scully. Oh, thank you. Nice. You have, is there molder somewhere? There is no molder. <laughs> oh, what, one oh, of these days. That's a mystery. Well done, Tw um. 12 years, Scully's been searching around for molder. Ah, oh. <laughs> uh, the aliens. It's probably aliens. Um, <laughs> the question was <laughs> do you like being Soups or Clark better <laughs> oh Soups or Clark yeah which was funner to play well Clark is slightly more fun to play Clark's less pressure for sure I don't have to work out as much uh, I don't worry about my posture and I get to be funny and, and goofy and, and silly um, and, and be, you know, a different side of, of Kal-El. But Superman has grown on me as I've gotten older. When I got to play him in crisis, I felt more like I could actually be Superman, you know, um, going from being 24, 25, the first time to 40, <laughs> that 15 years informed me in many ways. And I felt a little bit more wisdom and worldly experience and having been also a father at that time um more grounded um in my humanity and like i could actually like you know bring a little bit of um groundedness to 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 superman so it it got the gap got a little bit closer it's amazing to be superman but it's that's more pressure and more challenging uh, could you share with us uh, maybe a story or the feeling you got being on set that we might not see in the episode, but you remember from the eight days filming Quantum Leap? I mean, I, you should just know that like 
uh, Ray and Caitlin are amazing. They are incredibly welcoming and genuine, um, wonderful human beings, which is awesome from the two stars of the show to have that because sometimes you can, uh, you know, actors, they can have an ego, right? But they, 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 they have a healthy amount, you know, uh, both great leaders of, of the set welcoming and and thankful for their crew knowing that they're part of a team i think that's such a huge thing um that i appreciate uh and then we had a lot of fun i mean you know ray's a very funny guy um so you know cracking jokes with him and silly puns and stuff that i like to do on set um i mean the most funny uh, not the most funny but the thing that uh, comes to me is you know when caitlin's in a scene when she has dialogue but the camera's looking at me or one of the other characters, especially all the other guest stars, it's very hard not to like look at her. And she's mm-hmm. talking, but we don't see her. So they got me once. They got me once with that. And a couple other people were like, oh, nope, oh, don't look at Caitlin. Okay, she's not there. <laughs> it's It must be difficult not to look at her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a, a little bit, but I've, I've, I've trained myself pretty well. I just want to pick up quickly, if I can, on you mentioned about um, Ray and Caitlin's leadership. Um, just in terms of your character, uh, obviously with the, the the CO being pretty much off his rocker, you, you were the one displaying the the most leadership as a character. Mm-hmm. What's it like walking onto a set uh, as a, a one-off guest character in an ongoing series and being the one that everyone is turning to uh, as as a leader? How do you how yeah. do you fake that? Thinking about, I'm thinking back to what was the what were the first scenes that I that I filmed, and the first scenes that we that I filmed, I think, were running, um, and running, going down the steps, the stairs, uh, and bursting out of my quarters and uh, taking out the, the man at arms. I did. It wasn't a challenge on this on this. Uh, Phil, on this film, on this um, show, I think because I was the XO, and they they'd written him so full um, that there was enough like understanding of his backstory to know like I could just uh, integrate that information, and, and also you know I guess to again to raise credit that when I came on set he wasn't like hey man what's up yep uh huh yeah so uh, this is my set and uh, don't <laughs> don't mess it up. <laughs> there was none of that attitude. It was just open and friendly and the, hey, come play with us. So he, you know, then his character and, you know, he just, he lowered his energy to be that of below the XO. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't a challenge, I guess. And I, and because I played characters akin to Alexander, Superman is incredibly stoic. I hadn't, hadn't made the connection until I did another interview a couple of days ago. And, and I realized that, Actually, I was subconsciously pulling from from Superman's stoicism um, in many ways, um, his quiet, his calm, um, uh, and that was used in in Augustine. So I practiced at it. So, I mean, now that uh, this episode of Quantum Leap is in the can with maybe more episodes to come, maybe, we hope, you'll reprise your role and be able to reprise your role. What else is coming up? What what else can our fans expect to see in... Um, I did a I did a, a romantic comedy uh, last year called Out of Order, 
um, which uh, I think hopefully will be coming out sometime this year, probably on VOD or some streaming service. Uh, if they're able to sell it's independent, but it's a very funny. Uh, well, hopefully it's funny. It was fun to shoot. Uh, and I played two characters in that actually. Um, uh, and it's with Sam Huntington, uh, who played Jimmy Olsen in Superman mm. Returns. And he was also Marcus and Dylan Dog. So this is our third film together. And we're just being kind of silly. It's, it's like Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, if Mrs. Doubtfire was, well, I don't turn into a woman, but another <laughs> version of myself where I put on a costume and there's lawyering involved. <laughs> I play both sides of the case, become the, <laughs> the both uh, attorneys, prosecuting and like the fun. defending attorney. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I think Albie's antennas just went up because he's our resident <laughs> rom-com nerd. He loves oh, every okay. rom-com. <laughs> so I'll be checking that out. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me on, as you can tell, I'm a little bit of a Superman fan. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's nice to be able to speak to someone who, you know, came back and sort of embodied the legacy that Christopher Reeve um, gave us when building the mm. character. Yeah. And I know that was a very conscious decision on the part of uh, Brian Singer when you guys were yes. making that film. So, yeah. I mean, were there any, um, any anecdotes from that set that you can recall? I know it was so many years ago and uh, this is just me indulging myself. Um, thanks yeah. guys. Thanks quantum leap fans for putting up with me, but, uh, I have you here now. I, I, I gotta be yeah. a little bit more of a Superman geek. I'm sorry. I think we have a Venn diagram in our fandom. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much. I mean, the cross sections everywhere. I can just be a fan of one, of one, of one of these genre things. Um, so with that legacy in mind, how did that affect how you approached your version of Superman? Were you beholden to what you saw Chris do when he created the character? Mm -hmm. Was that a discussion that you guys had on set about capturing or trying to recapture the feel of the, uh, of the Donner films? How, yeah. how did, how did that manifest itself when you guys were making returns? Mm. It was, it was made clear to me very early on um, from Brian that we were, doing a, basically a loose sequel to Superman the movie. And because of that, bringing in the energy, Chris's energy, you know, was, was part of the job. Um, I was never asked to, to, to watch Chris to, to, to replicate his movements, to be a carbon copy of him. I was never, never asked to do that. And I, and I didn't watch the movie um, after the casting process. Because I knew it so well, um, I when I read before uh, Brian and Roger Rusinden, the casting director, uh, they had uh, I, there was scenes from a Superman the movie. Um, I think it was just one scene. I think it's the 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 pit the the the, the first time Clark and and Lois meet um, in the bullpen 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 what it's called glass doors closing office thing. Um, and um, it was the Clark scene that Brian reflected back to me was why I was meeting with him. Um, that's what grabbed his attention uh, and thought, he thought maybe I could, I could do this job because um, my Superman needed to work. Um, I was always more in tune with Clark. Um, 
I'm, Clark lives with parts of Clark live with it live inside me. So that was easy for me to 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 bring out and to embody. Um, and that is also here we go connecting the dots. And that is also because uh, Chris is my Superman. The energy of his Clark matches my energy as a person to a large degree. So had I been asked to play a different version of Superman, I there would I think there was always going to be that element of of Chris's Superman because that that that's Superman. That that core, that 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 hope. He always had that that charm and hope and um and that's that's the key into Superman is is hope is is the unwavering hope. I mean, you know, maybe you waver a little bit because that's interesting. But you know, obviously, he did in moments <laughs> throughout this film series, his film series. But but he always comes back to to hope, and um, so that's what I that's what I carried through in my in my performance. And you know, of course, it did the glasses and and uh, and a little bit of those things, uh, funny moments and, and Easter eggs. Um, iconic moments, but I, I really worked to make Clark not fumbling. He was just excited um, about interacting with people because he didn't get an opportunity to do that, really. Uh, Superman, you don't. And so Clark was like, hey, people, hey, oh, this is cool. And then, you know, so he wasn't like always putting on being clumsy. It just came out of him playing the role of Clark Kent, a version of himself. That makes sense. No, it does. And that's one of my favorite aspects of the character is that dichotomy between um, Superman and Clark. And I always find myself more interested in Clark, to be honest with you, because is it is it just Cal putting on an act? Is is a commentary on humanity? Is it or is he just so aw shucks Kansas farm boy at heart that that's the real him? So, yeah, I have a whole well, they're, like, they're, they're all, headcanon they're, with they're, Superman. <laughs> they're all they're all him. They they are all they are all yeah. parts of him. Maybe he's amping up one part and, 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 you know, dampening another, but they're all aspects of, we all have many aspects of ourselves. Like I said, when I'm on public, I can step into, you know, more of a Superman tone and everything. And my whole presence can shift, but I'm not always Superman and being always Superman like energy is like, it's not as fun as being Clark energy sometimes, you know? <laughs> so I don't think we are all any one thing at any one time, even Superman or Kal El. Well, again, thank you uh, to my co-hosts and to our to our listeners for uh, indulging me in my Superman uh, fanboy fanboyisms. Um, I guess uh, we can just maybe bring it back to Quantum Leap uh, be- before yep. we let you go. Or any Good messages idea. out there? Any messages out there for the Leapers? Anything that you want to say to our listeners, to the fans of Quantum Leap? Uh you know, uh, thanks for uh, watching the show and being a fr- fan, spreading the words, um, watching cool genre um, that's like positive and helping helping the world. I hope you enjoy the episode. And I guess I'd just say one other thing for everyone listening that, you know, I've been to a lot of conventions, Trump conventions and meet a lot of people. And now as I increase the increase uh the put another genre role 
in my resume, it, it attracts even more, you know, uh, a, a broader fan base. A common theme, I think, for people who enjoy these shows is that we feel it kind of marginalize ourselves um, and feel like nerds or geeks. Um, and I think that's a disservice. This is a PSA. I guess I'm doing a PSA. It's a disservice uh, to 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 the person and also to the creative work because what sci-fi fantasy does, what these genre projects can do is shape the future. Um, you know, we have to imagine the future before we can create it. So all these outlandish big ideas are really informing where we're going, uh, uh, can inform where we're going as humans and on earth. And I think that's really cool. And also like everybody is a nerd and a geek about something. Some people are geeks and nerds about fantasy football, um, and, uh, shoes and hair and makeup. Uh, so everybody has their geekdom. Um, so, uh, and most of them also watch these shows. They just are too afraid, uh, to like reach out and find community. And I think one of the amazing things that these shows, these genre shows do is create community. And I think that's just so exciting and so awesome. And you guys are helping, you know, help create community and connect us all and show us that we're, that we're all, uh, we all really want the same thing, which is joy, love, and acceptance, um, and health. And, um, and, and that, and that, and that, uh, we can all, we can all get along. I didn't wrap that up as well as I wanted to, but anyway, <laughs> don't devalue yourselves for liking. If you are, just love the things you love freely. Well, I think that's a wonderful note for us to end on. So Brandon, yeah. thank you very much for joining us on the Quantum Leap podcast. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a pleasure.